0: and welcome to another episode of Hospitals in Focus. I'm your host, Chip Kahn. Today we'll be exploring the right dose of rehabilitation services and what happens after someone leaves an acute care hospital setting. We have the perfect guest for this topic, Dr. Richard Senelik of Encompass Health. Encompass Health has rehabilitation hospitals across the country. The patients that have gone to rehab know all too well the wonderful services they provide, but for most there probably isn't a clear understanding of the role of these facilities versus other settings in that period of rehabilitation uh, after a person has left the acute care hospital setting. We will dive into this subject today. So let's get started by welcoming our guest, Dr. Richard Senelik.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure.
0: Great to have you, Richard, and uh, look forward to our conversation. So to to get started here, uh, let's uh, talk about yourself a bit uh, before we dig into uh, Encompass Health and Rehabilitation. Uh, how do you, what's your background? How did you uh, uh, get to play the role that you do at Encompass Health uh, in this organization?
1: Well, asking a physician to speak about themselves is always dangerous there, Chip. So uh, I'm a neurologist who does neurorehabilitation. And so I was doing general neurology here in San Antonio, Texas. Um, when I was approached uh, to be medical director of a new rehabilitation hospital being built here, Uh, and as at at 108 beds, particularly in 1988, one of the largest rehabilitation hospitals around, Um, and then what was Compass Health previously had been Health South, Um, and so uh, they bought the hospital in 1993, and I've been medical director here uh, since, oh, I'd say 1986, I then, we started a publishing company, which was HealthSouth Press, now Encompass Health Press, which I've been the editor. I always like to prove that paper doesn't refuse ink. So I've <laughs> um, written many books for families, uh, for the patients, to try and educate them. And that's, aside from taking care of patients, which um, I've done for many years, my role has been to create educational material for therapists, for patients, for families, Um which has sort of evolved over time from paper and pencil to internet webinars and that sort of thing.
0: Great. So that gives us a a sense for for you. uh, And I've at least given some introduction to Encompass Health itself. But can you give us a sense, uh, when we say rehab and talk about rehabilitation hospitals, uh, about the role that you play for patients? Uh, Obviously, when we talk about rehab, people think about injured athletes recovering from Uh, knee surgery or arm surgery or uh, baseball players are recovering from uh, a sore elbow. But but frankly, for uh, seniors and those who receive uh, surgeries or other kinds of care, uh, I think there's a lot more to rehab than most people think.
1: I think we fall in that category of uh, things that you think are never going to happen to you. Strokes, brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, amputees. If I'm lecturing to a large group of people, I can ask the women, raise your hand if you worry or think you might get breast cancer. And everybody's going to raise their hand. If you if you ask, well, do you think you're going to get a stroke? Do you think you're going to need physical rehabilitation? Virtually nobody raises their hands. It's a black box to people. So I mean one of the things about rehabilitation, the the thing we had to overcome for, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, for decades is people think drug and alcohol, not just sports rehabilitation. So when you say rehab, I'm going to rehab. Um, Think you're going to Betty Ford for that. And it's kind of a black box. And it's, it's a problem because what goes on in the acute care hospital, somebody has a stroke or brain injury and spinal cord injury, the doctors and the nurses there, the case managers, really don't know what goes on in a rehabilitation hospital. Don't understand its complexity. Um, and may not even have a relationship directly with the physicians there, like you do. I did acute neurology for many years, um, and you knew all the people you're working with. So it's a different environment, Uh, and this is a great opportunity because we're trying to educate people as to what actually does go on, and does it make a difference where you send your patient?
0: You know, in this idea of the difference where you send your patient, uh, particularly with seniors on Medicare. They may not have a clear notion of the difference between the rehab facility, the skilled nursing facility, and the home health. And each for rehab services uh, represents sort of a different layer of service, a, a level of service. Can you give us some sense as to the differentiation and how you begin to help work through with patients and their hospital providers, what kind of settings they should be in? post-hospital care?
1: One of the things I ask people to do, um, I don't know how many, was it a decade ago or two decades ago? Um, it was almost seemed like overnight, every nursing home changed its sign to ABC Rehabilitation Center. So that if you drive around your community, you won't see the ABC Center for the Aged or the ABC Nursing Home. They're all changed to rehabilitation facilities. But what actually takes place Between a rehabilitation hospital and skilled nursing facility is dramatic. And one of the things I think we all recognize as physicians, people working in hospitals, is that the patients coming to us to rehabilitation, or at least let's put it discharge from the acute care hospital, are being discharged sooner. Plan is how fast can I get you out of the hospital? And as a result, those patients are sicker and need of more care. So if anything, It amplifies the difference between an inpatient rehabilitation hospital and a skilled nursing facility. Because now you have a patient who has left the acute care hospital much sicker, needing a higher level of physician care and a higher level of nursing care.
0: Can you illustrate for us uh, how you can sort of visualize uh, the difference between being in a rehabilitation hospital like those? that encompass health uh, have across the country or being in one of these skilled nursing facilities whatever their label whether it's a rehabilitation center or a skill or or a nursing home and then a uh, home health uh, in terms of having therapists come out to the home what's the experience for a patient that's really different that'll help uh, our audience understand and visualize the difference
1: well i think one of the best ways let's take a specific patient so that Assume you are the family member and you have your loved one had a stroke, and what would be the difference? So they are sick, still need their diabetes, their hypertension managed, um, they may need a lot of assistance. Well, rehabilitation uses the word hospital because it is indeed a hospital. It is staffed round the clock, 24-7 by registered nurses, many of whom are certified in rehabilitation as opposed to a skilled nursing facility that only needs to have an RN on eight hours a day. uh, And the rest is LVNs in a much lower staffing ratio. In a rehabilitation hospital, just like an acute care hospital, you'll have the requirement of seeing a physician on a regular basis with that whole um, armamentarium or team of specialists, as opposed to a skilled nursing facility where there is no specific requirement that the physician visit personally uh, on any given number of times and it, it could be as little as once every 30 days, maybe twice a week. So the differences there are, are great. The other would be is when you think about dose, when we take an antibiotic or a medicine for hypertension, there's a specific dose. Um, and so take a, something as simple as strep throat. You take penicillin for 10 days so you don't get rheumatic fever. Now, assume that we know in a rehabilitation hospital, you must get at least three hours of therapy a day. In a skilled nursing facility, you may get 30 minutes, an hour, if you're lucky, an hour and a half. So if you had a problem, and you had hospital A and hospital B, would you go to the one that gives you the full dose of medicine? Or would you go to the one that only gives you the half of a dose or a third of a dose? And I think put in that setting, it's pretty clear cut.
0: Richard, I'm sure in your experience that there were patients that would come to the rehabilitation hospital who you said, gee, uh, they can't possibly get better, but we'll try. Uh, can you give us some uh, examples or an example of uh, when you experienced that and, and what was the outcome?
1: I think one of the, this just exemplifies one of the dangers of preauthorization and rehabilitation and trying to make that judgment at a very early stage in the acute care setting. So one of the examples I like to use is um, when I first started doing uh, rehabilitation and neuro rehab and uh, my neurologist partners who would make rounds on the weekend when I wasn't on call. And one time my partner, Mike, um, he hadn't seen this patient in about three weeks. And he came and he called me up and he says, Richard, I didn't know these people got better. And it was (laughs) this is what happens. They're seen in the acute care. So as general neurologists, we would see a stroke patient, a brain injured patient, guillain take your choice. And, you know, so, oh, they're terrible. I mean, they're not going to get better. And then lo and behold, with rehabilitation, I mean, when it's kind of like watching grandchildren grow. If you see them every day, they don't grow, right? If you see them once every six months, it's like, oh my God, how'd you get so big? And this is what It happens in rehabilitation. So to try and make that decision up front and make that prediction that someone isn't going to get better isn't fair to the patient. Because lo and behold, every day we see people get better, return home to their families, and give those grandkids a big hug.
0: So clearly from our our discussion, this issue of intensity is defining uh, for the various levels of rehab and setting. One of the r- recent uh, studies uh, that we saw from the Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General uh, said that we were sending uh, too many patients to rehab hospitals and, and called for uh, some kind of system where uh, hospitals w- acute care hospitals would have to get prior authorization on patients who were on Medicare uh, to go to a rehab hospital. My concern with this, and I guess my question is, the care that you get in the rehab hospital obviously is partly uh, defined by intensity. The, the other aspect of it is, how important is it in terms of speed that we get a patient who is stable uh, either from a stroke or from concluding some surgery uh, and get them uh, into rehab in terms of their overall recovery time? and also for us to anticipate that uh, their recovery will be uh, a more full one. How important is that time factor?
1: Well, I think the time factor is important, and particularly depending on um, where that patient goes, because what I've been doing this for a very long time, and I have always been told, if the, let's say, the decision is made to send the patient to a skilled nursing facility with the idea that, oh, you know, when they get better, we'll send them to you for rehab. And it really doesn't happen. Once a person gets sent down a path, that path continues. So it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy or a glass ceiling. If you decide, you know, I don't think this patient really needs this level of care. We're going to give them the lower level of care. If they get the lower level of care, they're not going to reach that point. They're going to be hit, reach a glass ceiling. Um, so that the studies have clearly been done that those patients that go directly to rehabilitation hospitals have better outcomes, they're less likely to be readmitted to a, an acute care hospital. Um, so, and they're more likely to return home to the community, to their family, and to, and to their loved ones. So, the problem with pre authorization is you have somebody on paper trying to make a decision, which is already a very complex system. We already carefully screen patients, a physician is involved, a rehabilitation physician has to sign off that that patient is an appropriate candidate for rehabilitation. Um, And it's already a cumbersome process that with pre-authorization would really, I mean, it would deny many patients who need this service. And you can look backwards and say, you know what? See, that patient didn't get better. I told you they weren't going to get better. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't deliver the care, they're not going to get better.
0: Let's do a deeper dive here. Uh, on the physician and the discharge plan or an acute care hospital that's going to sign off on a patient. What are the kinds of criteria, let's say for a stroke patient or for someone with an orthopedic procedure uh, that, that are going to help determine whether they should go uh, from their best judgment of these professionals to a rehabilitation hospital versus one of these other settings?
1: And There, there are clear-cut medical necessity criteria that have to be met. One of them is that you need to see a rehabilitation physician at least three times a week that there's a medical necessity that you need them, that you need a multidisciplinary team that you're in need of these therapists, PT, Ot, speech um, that you can tolerate three hours of therapy a day. Um, but we can spread it out over seven days. We have to have 15 hours, but you can spread it out over seven days um, until a patient can tolerate it. What? Has concerned me as years have gone on is that these decisions are made upstream so that a case manager in acute care hospital, a therapist in acute care hospital, makes the decision that they don't think the patient can tolerate it, as opposed to rehabilitation physicians and those of us looking at the patient and saying, you know, we think they can. So the question is if you put in pre authorization and now somebody else makes a decision that they don't think they can tolerate it, you've really denied the patient that care.
0: Can we visualize uh, the day for a patient, uh, particularly in terms of, let's take one of these intense days where they're they're going to do therapy. For our audience, could you describe what the patient will go through? They get up in the morning and it's time for therapy. What happens that's unique in some ways to uh,
1: an Encompass Health kind of setting? I'm going to do an introduction of that with just a real little preface. And that's when somebody looks at a patient in the acute care hospital and they're in a hospital gown or their pajamas and they've had a gazillion tests and they're exhausted and they're tired, they may look like they're not motivated or they won't tolerate this intensity of services, but you have to remember the environment they're in. So when we transfer them to the acute care setting, the first thing we do, and I've had Many physicians say to me over the years, they say, "You know, Richard, when I come see my patient at your hospital, they look so much better." And I said, "Well, yes, we put clothes on them." So, so, one of the things is that patients get up in the morning. They have an occupational therapist usually working with them on what are called activities of daily living, learning how to dress. If you have a paralyzed arm, you're going you're going to attack that differently. Um, how do you do one-handed shoe tying, um, eating? how to use a rocker knife, how to use utensils. You may be in a feeding group with people with like problems or impairments being supervised by an OT or a speech and language pathologist. Um, A dietitian will meet with you to decide on the consistencies of your food and the type of food. So this is all taking place early in the morning before maybe the first so-called official therapy session in a gym. If a patient... Is like brain injury and can't tolerate a lot of stimulation. They may have bedside therapy or a satellite gym, a smaller gym with less noise and distraction. And then therapy can be broken up. Rather than thinking, oh, we have three hours of continuous therapy. This is like going to the gym. I'm going to be exhausted. Let's break this up. Let's have our 45 minutes of physical therapy. We'll get back to the room. We'll have a rest period. And one of the things people forget is who's spending 24-7 with that patient? it's nursing. So as opposed to an acute care hospital where nursing may be totally separated and segregated from the other players of the team, here truly is a team process. So the nurse carries over what you're doing in therapy. So if the patient has to transfer a certain way from bed to chair. So there's a motto we use in rehabilitation, and that's help do rather than do for so think about it. Everybody's in a hurry in the acute care hospital. You know, okay, we'll get you out of bed. Come on, we got to get you off the gurney. You know, we're going to move you to x-ray. Whereas there's a, I mean, I look at our therapists and nurses are the most patient people in the world so that they help you do, trying to teach you how to either compensate for your deficit. And I always say going to rehabs, like going to school, you relearn old things you've forgotten or new ways of doing things. Richard,
0: how, how long uh, with patients and how long for stroke patients, let's say, are we generally, and I know it's it's hard to uh, take all cases, but how long are we talking about in a length of stay and when do you know in that process uh, usually that you can break through with a patient uh, in terms of their uh, improvement?
1: Yeah, and that's an interesting question because that has changed drastically over the years. So the amount of time that we can keep a patient has been reduced drastically. uh, You know, during my career, where we could keep a patient, let's say, a month. Now your average length of stay may be fourteen days. um, So that you're trying to get a lot done, Uh, and it's why it's important that it continues as an outpatient. And home health has a very important role. Um, in continuing the therapy. So it's unfortunate that we can't keep patients longer. A lot of studies have showed particularly older patients, patients with severe deficits, benefit by staying longer. Uh, And it's not unusual. We'll have what's called a team conference. So once a week, all the therapists and the nurse and the doctor get together to discuss the patient. And you'll realize that, you know, if I keep this patient three, four extra days, I can probably get them home. because one of the things that takes place in a rehabilitation hospital, with whether it's a stroke patient, which is really common, are bladder and bowel programs. One of the highest correlations of self-esteem is being continent, and these are things that don't take place in a sniff or in an acute care hospital. We've covered a lot
0: of territory here in terms of the uniqueness of the services provided by rehabilitation hospitals. As we close out, uh, are there any other thoughts you think are important for? our audience to understand in terms of what we've described, I think, in this discussion as the unique role of the rehabilitation hospital in the continuum of care for uh, certain levels of of patients?
1: I think a really important message particularly uh, is that you have a choice. Um, I think in today's healthcare world, uh, patients, families um, believe they don't have a choice. We've sort of just gotten to the point where we think we have to accept that, no, this is where you're going. And it's hard to become an informed consumer. You didn't expect to have a stroke. Um, so what do you, where do you go? What do you do? And now you're told you're going to a certain place. And I think the key is to try and educate people. Uh, physicians have become less involved. I think physicians are somewhat beaten down. We used to Be strong advocates and get on the phone and talk to the insurance companies and say, you know, this patient really needs this. I think that role has changed. So, I mean, the message I would give physicians you are one of the last lines of advocacy for your patient. You need to do that for them. And for patients and families, you have a choice, get educated, uh, it will make a difference. This
0: has really been a great conversation and one I know our listeners will find interesting. Uh, But if you want to hear more, uh, from Dr. Senelik. The good news is you can. He has a website, uh, richardsenelik.com. What will people find there, Richard, um, if they go to your website?
1: Uh, well, uh, I would lead them to two websites. So there's there's my website, which will have uh, the books I've written. Um, they're in audiobook form, free, because we think that's an important message to be, to be given out. Lectures, um, webinars, um, but the, also uh, at EncompassHealth.com, there's Encompass Health Press. That's our publishing company that I'm the editor of. And so there you will find a whole series of educational lectures, also access to books for families and educational materials. So, I mean, our our whole hope and role uh, is to educate people about their disability so that they're better able to handle it.
0: Well, that sounds great. And uh, thanks again. Richard, for joining us today. And I uh, hope that members of our audience uh, will go to those sites and learn more about the role that rehabilitation plays in the critical rehab uh, of patients uh, in the United States. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. We hope you found this conversation interesting and will join us every other week as we talk with leaders on a broad spectrum of healthcare issues. Don't forget to subscribe to Hospitals in Focus. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and now Spotify. Be sure to rate and review us and tell a friend. Thanks for listening.